The Service Evolution Podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, Inc. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit cgpconstruction.com. Welcome to Service Evolution, America's premier destination for service industry leaders. We deliver the advice and insight you need to get ahead in your career, learn new skills, and succeed in the competitive world of service. Our podcast features experts from across the country who provide their valuable insight on topics such as branding, strategy building, and customer service. Whether you're just starting out or looking for ways to take your company to the next level, join us and discover how to make a positive impact today. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black at Service Evolution. Welcome back to another show. I'm here with my good friend, Jim Robinson. What's up, buddy? Hey, how we doing? Listeners, get ready today, man. This is going to be crazy. Just another fine day of value bombs from Jim Robinson. Actually, we're going to be talking about some cool stuff today. Uh, you know, oddly enough, one of the biggest trending things in the service industry right now is customer service. Uh, and it seems like, uh, well, yeah, duh, or kind of a dumb moment. But at the same time, things are shifting so much in the service industry right now, from technology to you know cultures to whatever. This is becoming synonymous with what needs to change uh, to make businesses more competitive. So I'm interested to get your take on this. I know it's a big deal for you uh, this year. Like this is a big theme for us too. It's uh, it's been a thing that we've focused on for my 38 years in business. It's literally yeah. how can we how can we meet needs and wants and do that better or faster than any of the competition. And that's really. The burger, the taco place, the pizza place, they do this exact same thing. How can they deliver faster, meet needs and wants faster than the competition? That's who's going to end up with the business. We're going to jump into this. First thing that came to my mind is we talked to Jim Knight, which was really cool. Really great guy. Very inspirational. Good speaker. And he talked about the personal touch with the customer service game changing so fast right now. And the personal touch, you know, being really not just nice to have, but being really critical to have at this point. Can you explain like how making services more personal is, is shifting from a nice touch to an absolute must have for companies? Well, you have two types of buyers. In my, in my opinion, you have two types of buyers. One's a numbers buyer. It's how, how cheap can I get a burger? Because it's, it's just a survival tool. I'm going to feed the feed the energy level, I'm going to make it, I just need it to be cheap. And then you have the other ones that need the personal care, the personal service. I happen to fit that model. Uh, that's what I need when I go somewhere. I'm not a price buyer. I'm a uh, delivery buyer. I want things a certain way. I want things with speed. And you meet those needs, you own me forever. Mm. And we did that show a couple of weeks back about my dentist office. They lost me after 24 years because of a massive mishap and then no follow-up to correct ownership they is going to be up. they still have not followed up and i've left, left ah, them a dang, message man. and they're unresponsive so it's 24 years going to this same dentist and literally there he changed teams and you know to the point is you've got to make sure you coach your team so the culture the value the standards that you've established are followed 
so you keep delivering that same same stuff and uh without it uh there's a significant risk and a loss so wow that's yeah, crazy man so the two buyers you got to discern which one you want and if it's the racial relational buyer you literally have to meet needs and wants better than your competitor does but you have to be able to communicate to figure that out and that's relationship building you know it's so funny you bring up the dentist and and that whole experience to me and, and all this that we've been talking about, it seems like the 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 line between a like a company's brand and their and their customer service is blurring, right? So it's kind of like the experience you have is their brand, even though it's really not. I mean, you could have all kinds of things that go into your brand, your culture, who you are, represent, but that 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 whole line is blurring. Um, how, how do you think that like, this is like reshaping the way companies are fighting to keep customers loyal? Yeah. Well, I think the line is blurred in the fact that when you have a disservice or a service you don't like, it becomes personal. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking about this earlier. I was in a meeting and it's like when an officer pulls you over, I'm just doing my job. Right. That's that's what they say. This, you know, another person, I'm just doing my job. What they write on that ticket is very personable. It's very personal to the individual getting the ticket if you get a citation. So one's doing their job and one is the recipient. And so the brand is crystal clear when things are good. And when things go bad, it becomes individualistic and then the individualistic attacks the brand. So it's literally brand is great. Oh, this is great. I'm going to go to this burger joint. I love these burgers. They're so good. And then you get one person that is a disservice to your experience the next time you go. And then you don't like that person for sure, because that's the one you tell people about. And then you don't like the (laughs) brand anymore. You don't like the brand anymore. So brand is good until it's not. And then once it changes from the individual, then the brand gets destroyed. And today, we because we're so critical as a, as a people, as a society in mass, it's literally we've become so hypercritical. We love the brand until one thing happens. Yeah. And it's becoming blur, more and more blurred. You know, we work with some companies that are believe in the partnership and will tell you when something is skewed, wrong, messed up. They just call you out and say, hey, get this fixed. But there's true partnership there. There's really a relationship that matters and the branding matters. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the to the brand, your buyer's brand, and it speaks into the brand that we've become, that there's truly a relationship and a partner. And they explain, you guys messed this up. And we always do the ownership thing. We just take full ownership even when we didn't mess it up. We just say, no, nah, that's on us. We'll, we'll get somebody over. We'll get this thing. We'll fix this. So it's really, you know, how do you fix that brand? You're not going to. Society is really controlling that. And what they speak out more of is what we're going to get more of. Yeah, that always reminds me of uh, every time you sit, talk about ownership, it reminds me of that book you recommended to me. It was so good. as uh, Extreme Ownership, Jocko Willie. Yeah. So good. It was a good book. The guy's intense, man. You need to read that again. You know, some of these books, <laughs> you just good. read, you read them a couple of three times. And it, it's <laughs> I've read so many books multiple times and it, it, you still get more content out of some of the, you know, whatever the feed is. I know. I want to li- I do. I, I, of course, I listen to Audible and Jocko, he actually talks about, you know, he narrates the book and he's so intense when you're listening to this thing. You're like, oh man, it's like you're on the edge of your seat the whole way through. He's good. 
Yeah. Let me go through that one again. It's a very good book. He's got one of those intense looks. He does, like you. <laughs> like he's got that scowl, man. He's like yeah. he's the nicest guy. Now we've met Jaco in person. Yeah. Uh, and I shook this guy's hand. I thought I was gonna die. You know, you know, I'm trying to be a goof. You know, I got a goof, and he's so serious. So yeah. serious. He has well, he has that very serious look. He does. And then he smiles. And then you're like, what happened? You're like, okay, that, <laughs> this guy's normal. Okay, we can deal with this. He's not gonna eat me or kill me. I when I saw him, I'm like, I'm like, hey man. And then of course everyone's getting their, their photos, and I'm like, what's up? And he's yeah. like, what are you throwing up gang signs? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, 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 no. I'm like, okay, let's take it over a picture. Sorry, Jago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's so great, man. Well, dude, one of the things that we we're constantly talking about, uh, and, and and I think everyone is, is really technology and, and how it's really shaking up customer service because I told you the story. I went to the drive-thru the other day and AI took my order. Whoa. It was awesome. It was a great order. It was perfect. Did they give it back? No. Uh, You said they took your order. I'm like, oh, man. They took your order, then they give it back. Okay, got it. Let's go. They gave me exactly what I ordered, which was awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's weird. it, It was weird. It was so... It was so spot on and in such an articulate order. I'm like, this has to be fake, but it was great. I still liked it. I could get used to that. So to me, the question is like, as you're looking at the service industry and all your experience and, and you, I know you stay up on this. What do you think is like the cutting edge tech trends that, that uh, companies are, you know, should be like looking at or, or, or jumping on um, yeah. that, you know, will help them stand out. Oh man, you know, today tech so is much. so competitive. It, it is. used to be, you know, you get a, a, a writer and software, you know, you spend a half a million dollars and they'd write something for you. It'd take six months to release it, six months to correct it. And then you're already outdated. You're already obsolete. And then they started developing platforms that writers could take platforms. And then you develop all these platforms and integrate them into, you know, a, a very personable uh, platform for your company. And today, there's so much competition in tech. So there are all, there's so many different tech companies designing different software platforms, different ways to manage company, different accounting programs. It, it just the go it goes on and on and on. And then trying to figure out what you need because you'll you'll interview a company and you'll find out all these cool new things and this is great. And then you push the go button and then you sign up and then you start training. Mm-hmm. And then as you start yeah. training, you realize I just bought something that isn't really going to meet all the needs. I got to get a whole nother platform. So really scrutinize the tech, but don't spend too much time on this. Scrutinize, but excel your decision-making because you're going to be a dinosaur and antiquated as soon as you start because it's moving at breakneck speed. And the key in the tech today is, is how do we speed up everything? How do we speed up the invoice? As silly as that may sound, how do you speed the invoice going to your buyer? How do you speed the paycheck to your employee? How do you speed the communication and delivery of perks and benefits to the employee? How do you speed the communication? We're rolling out a whole nother platform where you can send text from your computer and you can pinpoint who it goes to and then you can track it and all kinds of stuff. And we're doing we're doing the case study on that. We're getting ready to roll that out. That's brand new for us at CGP. But there's so much technology out there, and the key is is decide what has to be sped up. What do you need faster? And then use technology to do that. 
and then train by the tech company, use their trainers to train the team, and then explore a course and dissect. And you're going to end up adding multiple platforms. We have so many platforms. I couldn't even tell you the list of what we're using <laughs> and what's integrating into what we have. What we've de developed, even though we use some massive companies, is proprietary to our company because we really had some unique needs to meet unique needs. Yeah, man, this whole technology thing, and we talk about AI, and, and some people really love AI, and some people don't. <clears throat> don't, uh, and I think what's changing the industry that we work in is like it seems like if you don't have your own SaaS right now, you're not cool. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you have to have the service. It's so easy now for people to have an idea and go to someone who isn't even a coder and make a SaaS and start selling it. So is it good? Is it good software? I don't know. You don't know, you know, but the, it's cool to be able to see new ideas come to market so quick. That's the thing I think is also changing uh, and staying, staying up on that. It's a job by itself. Yeah, the, mar the marketing thing is a whole different thing, right? Because yeah. you, can, you can have accelerated marketing for a really crappy product. Yeah. And, you know, we've bought a software that was crap a long time ago. And it literally, we had to suffer through that for a while until we could buy another software. But their marketing was brilliant. And then once you sign on the dotted line and write the check, Years. that was the end of that. And then <laughs> it, it was really, it, that, that program was pretty much a disaster. Even though we survived on it, it was a disaster. No, it was so, so burdensome to operate antiquated right out of the gate and then you could get no results you literally had six seven days for results out of this so it, tough, it was man. terrible it was terrible design we've seen and we're and like you said we're investing in already but we've seen a surge in messaging and also chat bots lately and i think it's interesting i i want to kind of get your 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 feedback on what do you think is fueling this boom and 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 really how can business harness the power to boost their customer service with messaging or, or chatbots. Yeah. Uh, some of these chatbot things are some of these brands answer to uh, accelerated response. Mm -hmm. So they're using chatbots that people may or may not appreciate in the, in the long run because people are still looking to connect to an individual. I, I think I referenced this Ford dealer I've been using for my truck recently. They text me, but it's coming from the individual, and then the individual will call me, and we have a one-on-one. -on -one, there's a relationship developing, and I can get service, and they go out of their way to make sure I get service. By the way, that company is Larry Miller Ford right here in Mesa, Arizona. DNA, not a sponsor, but if you guys not want to a sponsor, in. yeah, but I'm telling you, they just they've really done an exceptional job. Uh, yeah, and yeah. they go out of their way to make the service personable. And so we have to be careful with all this great new technology that we now think it's going to be our communication source and then have no connection. And then you're not going to know when the client leaves other than your bottom line. So be careful with using that type of technology and the frequency in the one-on-one -on -one build. It won't develop the one-on-one -on -one build. It will simply be a delivery of content uh, specific to my oil change. Oil change is done. And that could be a chatbot that gives me that kind of information. But the yeah. service itself with uh, Victoria has to be one-on-one. -on -one. They literally still can't get away from that. So our business is no different. Your customer service is like when you check in at the hotel, 
Mr. Robinson, thanks for joining us today. It's personable. And then they text you when you get into the room, is everything okay with your room? There's an instant follow-up, but that's a that's a chat thing. That's, that's messaging a chat, yeah. That's but messaging. it does feel good. It, it works good if they respond to your response. Yes, true. And so I've checked in and it says, you know, just respond. And then I text and boom, flatline, nothing. So if you're going to collect data, you got to use the data. It's got to serve a purpose. It's got to serve the individual. If you're going to use it, you got to make sure that you actually use it and, and it serves a greater good. But it's not mm. going to replace the one-on-one -on -one connection. So what do you think it will do, essentially? If you're using chatbots, do you believe it's a good way to just speed that connection to a live person? Not a connection. I don't think it's going to speed the connection. I think it's going to speed the delivery of content. So ah, if you okay. say your your basket is done, ready for pickup on Friday, great. That could be some kind of a messaging service because you're just going to go get it. Somebody has to be there. You can't automate the be there to pick up thing. That's If you automate that, you're going to lose the connection. It's like walking into the bank. I'm old enough to appreciate before we had ATM cards. Yeah. It's literally the banker was, and they mattered. You, yeah. They knew you by name. They would call you, they'd check in with you, and then they owned you because you took a loan. But That's right. And then they went fully automated. I was banking at a credit union that was only a machine. You'd walk into the bank like you're going to talk to somebody and you actually talk to a machine. They now have taken all of those out. It's back to having a teller. They realized that the machine messaging was losing the customer. It has mm -hmm. to be personable. So delivery of content, that's great. Use automation, accelerate the delivery of content, but it isn't going to change the way you see the brand. It, it's the people that you see the brand. Yeah, that's huge. That's great advice for people who are looking to implement messaging thinking or chatbots thinking, well, this is hot. Got to be careful. Yeah, careful. it's got to be content driven, not relationship driven. If you if you think you use a chatbot to develop somebody's contact points, so now we touch you know, touch points nineteen times through some chatbot, and this is developing a relationship, I think you're in for a rude awakening. I'm not sure how long your company's going to be around. Yeah, I agree. Did you know that CGP Maintenance and Construction Services Inc. are also commercial plumbers? They added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since. They offer everything from cleaning drains, camera work, and grease trap repairs to full repipes and dig ups. So when your brand needs commercial plumbing, remember, call CGP. They are ready to be on site 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready. And because they're a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today, 858-454-7326. Or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. In uh, today's world, we talk so much about company values uh, and company values for a lot of clients can be a deal breaker. Oddly enough, people are very company value driven. They, there's a lot of identity uh, with people who look at companies and like, that's my company because of the company values that they have. How do you see customer service becoming a stage for companies to showcase their commitment for what they stand for? 
well, your, values. your your people that are uh, delivering the customer service is conveying basically in your values. So whatever that company value is, it's when they get off of the value that your delivery that gets skewed and the brand gets skewed and the, there's a misunderstanding from the from the buyer because they're like, whoa, is that what you guys represent? We had the one guy, you know, was perceived as speeding through a parking lot and we looked at the satellite tracker. He was doing 10 miles an hour. And somebody wrote us a nasty message saying he's speeding, you know, quote, so speeding fast. 35 yeah. miles an hour in the parking lot. And he's a high risk. If this is how your value system works, all your drivers are putting the society at risk. And that was a one individual. So I dug deeper. I found out it was a, a an ambulance chasing attorney that was really trying to just create a platform that they could sue on some kind of, you know, BS. And so we extinguished that fairly quickly. But so we got to be careful with what that actually represents. You got to dig a little deeper sometimes. Support your team, support your people, but make sure you talk about your values, what it stands for, and make sure you hear them repeating in that tone and that voice. So that's getting conveyed to your buyer as well. It's mm, important. Interesting story on that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And they use that word values. So this is your values. See? Yeah. It's weird. It's a, it's a, it's a shift in our, in our culture that people are aligning or using that topic. To society, society repeats whatever platform, podcast, et cetera, whatever content is being delivered as bulk mm. or in whole society adapts that and then speaks into that. And so you, you can remember, I do five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, maybe 10 they really started speaking heavy about culture and values of a company. Oh, How yeah. are you hiring? You got to scrutinize who you're hiring. They got to fit culture and value, culture, value, culture, value. So we've repeated those languages or those terms so frequently that now everyone's judging based on that. And it's ambiguous, right? It's based on perceptions. One's perception of their history, whatever is in their rearview mirror, and what they're judging you on is its perception. So it's what you keep repeating is what gets repeated. And so society will keep talking about culture until we stop in the larger platform speaking about that and go back to what's organic. You treat people fairly, it's going to trickle through. We just got really intentional about it. Now all the big guys are all talking about culture and value, culture and value. It gives you a focus point versus just treat people really, really nice. And we <laughs> use a little bit different phrase, right? We say treat everybody like it's your great grandmother. Literally treat everybody like they're your great grandmother because that's with the highest level of dignity, respect, and support and help. You're not going to say, Grandma, go get your own glass of water. Grandma says, could I have a glass of water? You're going to say, absolutely, let me go get that. Would you like ice? Treat everybody like you'd treat your great grandmother. And we don't talk about all the values and cultures stuff anymore. We literally just treat people with high dignity and respect. The illusion of truth effect. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny. I heard that term for the first time. Uh, I think, I don't remember I heard that, but the whole idea of repeating something enough, it must be true. Right. Yeah. It's, and I mean, it's, it's not a joke. It, it's literally, that's what society will start talking about. That's what they're going to lean into. 100%. It's whatever you talk about. AI, people are speaking of AI, right? Five yeah. years ago when it started, they're like, oh, this is going to be cool at some day. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, it's its own Ooh. living, breathing organism. What are we going to do? It's going to control the world. And people bought into that story. 
And now AI is evolving breakneck speed, of course, because we're saying it's breakneck speed. Yeah. So people are buying into the concept that AI is doing these things. Just be careful with what you're hearing. Make sure you're forming your own opinion. You said you ordered through AI the other day and it was flawless. Mm -hmm. That's great. That gets repeated (laughs) enough. There's other companies that are going to realize that ordering through AI is going to be a great platform. It'll serve a greater purpose. But when you want AI to fix your broken engine in your car. Well, that's a problem. We're, we're, we're in trouble. Because we're not there the, yet. Yeah. If society keeps telling you that's what's happening, you know, people are going to start to believe that story. And then they're going to repeat that story. And whatever gets repeated is what becomes believed. I saw a great, I think it was a billboard. It says, uh, it had a picture of a building that was made construction. And it says, AI finished this building. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, yeah you're not doing that, dude. AI doesn't have hammers. Doesn't have hammers yet. Yeah, well, oh yeah, emoji. Maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll see how the emoji. Yeah, we talk about so much about being proactive, and I don't think it's uh, well based on my research. What I'm finding, it's definitely a hotty trend. I don't know why, because being proactive is kind of a core value for most companies. For us, it for sure is, um, but. For you, from in your opinion, being proactive, um, what are some ways companies can really use that to, to uh, in making uh, to, or predicting and solve customer issues before they pop up? Right. So we always talk about let's solve the issues before they before they know before before it even becomes an issue. As far as when it deals with customer service, how do you think that that plays a role? Well, proactive, right? You, until you define proactive, proactive doesn't exist. Yeah. So you literally got to define and describe what does proactive mean to your organization, to your entity, to your group, because it's going to be subjective and subjected to perception of each individual. Proactive to one means it's I'm going to make sure I get this scheduled in August. We're in we're in February. But I'm proactive because it's going to be done in 2024, <laughs> right? And the next guy or the next yeah, guy is going to say, geez, I got to be proactive on this. It has to be done today by 5 o'clock. Yeah. Those are, of course, extremes. But until pro proactive is actually defined, proactive truly doesn't exist. It's literally a perception of things. And so every how many is on your team, that's how many perceptions are going to be of proactive uh, and nondescript. So if you're going to use terminology, you got to describe it. And if you're going to say we're proactive, which means X, right? So we are proactive in billing. We know where we bill in real time. Real time, real time is defined, right? Real time means real time. It's yeah. there's no ambiguity now. to that. Today it's it's pretty clear. Other things that we have and that we do every day, how we dispatch, we have SLAs, we have certain standards, certain timelines, delivery of proposals. All of that is crystal clear, and we're proactive in getting the content so we can deliver on what is the time frame. We define the time frame. So it's really important in defining the standards around that. You can say, are you proactive on those standards? You have to adopt that. So define what proactive truly means internally, and then what does that mean externally? You define those timelines. And for us, you, it's SLAs, it's standards, et cetera. Do you think, and I know we do a lot here, but do you think, the daily huddle is probably one of the most key things to being proactive. 
The daily huddle is is an exchange of data, right? It's literally following whatever those standards are, those time stamps that we put on everything. So we say date stamp everything. You have to have a time frame and a standard, and then those huddles are to make sure there's accountability with the team, right? If if one is being lax in whatever the delivery is, the one's going to recognize on their spreadsheet or whatever they're reviewing, they're going to say, what's happening with this one? And that huddle should resolve that to make sure all things on the spreadsheet are meeting the daily standard. So that's a proactive approach to meeting the standard, but it's also a catch. Those daily huddles catch whatever slipped through the crack, didn't meet the standard, and then the ownership and recovery happens. So Mm. it's twofold. That makes sense. Okay, so I want to talk about, we already been talking about personalization, and we've talked a little bit about technology. And along with that comes the kind of automation. I think those two together are really becoming very prevalent. They're taking center stage. How can um, companies really smartly use customer data without stepping over the line into privacy invasion? So we're collecting this data. And how can companies really use that without offending people? (laughs) I guess is the the main issue here. Because I know a lot of people have privacy issues you know and yeah. like i get freaked out with that stuff uh you know, uh, when someone calls me and they're fishing for data i know like i'm pretty good but if if they're calling me with a bunch of personal data to my mother if they call my mother she's she's not gonna know you know and i get worried about that kind of thing because of the, for the privacy is a problem i think it's a big problem mm-hmm. no, no, what are your thoughts internally we we talk about collecting data only collecting data that you need to serve a greater purpose or the greater good and the need and the want of the of the buyer whoever your buyer mm. is if you're collecting more data and then you're using it that's a manipulation under our value system of integrity that would never have been allowed won't be allowed not today not last week and not next year that's under the the integrity value system. We got to make sure that that never crosses that line. So collect the data that's pertinent that you can serve them better, meet needs and wants, needs and wants. Needs are simple. Wants are more complex because those are very individualistic. Needs are based on whatever their their base, you know, whoever the buyer is, they set the standard. We need this. You got to get this done, Johnny or Mary get all this done. They set a standard and then wants, or how do they want you to deliver that? So meet needs and wants better than anyone else and you'll have a client forever. So don't collect more data than you need and then have a management system for whatever data you do collect. You got, if you're going to collect it, you got to manage it. If somebody's going to use it and give you feedback, you got to be able to manage the feedback or don't collect it. And we, we established this 20 years ago on employee data. And then we regularly meet, what can we get rid of? What do we absolutely need? What can we get rid of? We don't need all that extra data. What do we absolutely must have? Let's collect that data and then openly discuss that. So it's the same on the customer side. Some companies are just collecting mass data and this data is out there in AI world and all these other worlds and then they're even selling it. Uh, creating, you know, chatbots that are manipulative because they know so much about you that they're feeding you to manipulate your buying habits, your waking patterns, your sleeping patterns. They literally are really jacking with you, but that's manipulative. Shame on those companies or shame on those people that are doing that. 
collect what you need, manage the data you have, and do not take more data than you absolutely need. Yeah, I think that's important. We are a 24-7 company. We work all the time. We have support brands that are also 24-7. And with the world who never sleeps, it seems like customer service also never sleeps. <laughs> so how do you, how are you as a company, uh, what's the best strategy for offering 24 hours a day, seven days a week service and customer support without dropping that ball on quality? Yeah. So for us, I mean, we've done night, we've been a 24 hour operation since the inception of CGP. So August was 38 years. And we've just always ran a night crew and a day crew and sometimes three shifts. We did the, the afternoon or evening shift. And it's um it's extremely difficult unless you have somebody that is conditioned and really biological clockwise loves that night shift, which there are several that do this. They can excel in the night shift. And so being able to do that, that's that's a really important customer service offering. Because today, more than ever, you know, 38 years ago, it wasn't as demanding. It was just like a luxury to have the, today, it's a demand. Yeah. It's wonder when dealerships are going to be open 24 hours a day. I know. Why can't I pull in there on my way home from work at 11 o'clock at night and get my oil changed? I would love that. Yeah. Most people would. How do you, how do you get the bandwidth to do that? That's the how is where everybody gets stuck, right? Yeah. Versus just say, here's what we offer and here's how this is going to work. You find a dealership that does that accelerated oil change lane, you're going to be busy all night long. And could you imagine how fun it would be? I mean, that's crazy. Dealerships should come up with this. All it is is people and people love to work at night, be off in the day. I mean, everybody has different biological clocks. It's a tremendous opportunity. But being a 24 hour operation is it has its demand. But the perks are is that you're able to serve even employees that want and need a nighttime job. They got children there in the day, whatever it is. And so we found and discovered that there is a perk to having an opportunity to work at night for several uh, that desire that shift. So there is an opportunity and does serve the greater good. Today, it's a demand. It's, It's a necessary thing. It is a necessary thing. And certainly is demand. My thoughts on this were... But is it good? Like, it's good for us to be able to offer that service for people. But is it good that we have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop uh, as a culture? Like, that's what I wonder about. Like, yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? The cul- the, yeah, the culture is, is well, for us, I mean, you you will hear me, unless you're on the startup phase of a new position, something internally, or you're new. I I get I get pretty observant when I see somebody past the nine hour work day. Oh, yeah. So managers get to the nine, ten hours, that's it. I'm like, one, are they really being successful? No is the answer, in my opinion. They really need to be in that nine hour shift, not not twelve, not six. They need to be around that nine hour because that, there's a lot of success in that. The night shift is no different. I mean, those folks still work their eight hour shift and they go home and they sleep and then they call in and you know, whatever. I don't think that's a disservice at all. I've never thought that that's why for 38 years we've offered it. So I think there's a lot of good because it serves two things. It serves our employees, their greater good and need, and it serves the outside world, the buyer 
it serves their unique need of you can only work at night or you can only be in the space during you know certain times of the morning. And so it, it serves a greater purpose by having that as an offering. I guess my thoughts were more not on our company culture, but as a culture, as a, as a country, or even, even in, in the world. I mean, we're such a two-hour drop ship, get anything you want to your door, you know what I mean, environment. And it's not slowing down. It's just getting worse. I wonder how or that better. is, or better, depending on your view, right? Uh, I wonder how that's going to affect us moving forward and as a, as a, as a, as a country, it used to be, you had downtime forced downtime. And now it's kind of like, there's no downtime. It's all just go, go, go. It seems like to me. Well, if you take C stores as an example, some of them don't even have a locking front door. No, I know. Isn't it they're, crazy? They've just never closed. They're, they're 365, 724. I mean, they just, they don't close. That's been forever. Yeah, And think of the convenience that that is. Well, today we're all looking for more convenience. I don't know what it's doing in the, in the bigger picture for Mother Earth. But if we have downtime, think of this. The next time you try to get service on your Buick or your Mercedes, whatever you're driving, and they say, yeah, we can get you in in December of 2025. <laughs> I, or, I know. Or there's a 24-hour operation and they'll get you in on Friday. Yeah. It's just our demand and, you know, society's growing, population is exploding. And then if you look at those statistics, it's going to taper off here in about 20 years. But it, it you got to look at the numbers and you got to make sense of why are you in business? And it's to serve the greater good of the buyer. And if the buyer needs you at 12 o'clock at night and you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm wondering how long you're going to really be in business. Yeah. Because your buyer is your demand, right? It's You develop something that serves the greater good. And it's not the greater good of just what you want. It's the greater good of what your buyers want and need. And I talk about needs and wants all the time. So I see it as a tremendous opportunity. It's much like my reference earlier. Can I get my dealership to stay open Till midnight. So I can leave the office at eight o'clock at night and go get my oil changed on the way home. It's perfect time for me. I'm kind of decompressing. I could literally pull in, get my oil changed, really decompress before I get home. Tremendous opportunity for a dealership that's willing to do that. The the quick oil change places could do something like that and just stay open later and continue to serve. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with that. Just And that's why we were a 24-hour operation before that was really a thing. It was all emergency-based, and we've never charged emergency rates for 24-hour operation. We only charge emergencies based on emergencies. And so it's for me, it's that's a no-brainer. It serves a greater purpose, serves a greater good, and I believe that it serves the employees well for those that need to be at night. So I... I've just, I, my opinion doesn't change on that. I think it's really important. And I think more people will continue to expand because demand mm-hmm. is getting higher. Demand is getting significantly higher. I think we've got to find a way to, to meet the needs because personally, people get really frustrated. I do when they tell me I can't do or have something for 60 days or oh, 45 yeah. days or they're shipped something at some point and some, you know, whenever they fi- figure it out, that becomes crazy to me. 
I'm like, I, get, I get frustrated if I get online. I can't get someone to help me after hours for support on anything yeah. now. It's, it's and, like, and uh, plus it's, you know, it, it tainted the pond, if you will, because it, it's, I'm in the business of service now. We yeah. got to move. We got to go. Yeah. No one calls and says, my toilet just exploded. Could you come out in a couple <laughs> of months? No. They want you in a couple hours. So my buying has become that because that's what I deliver as a professional. Yeah, I agree. All right, man, before we wrap up, Jim, because we're at that time, with all the wisdom that you've gathered over the years, yeah, uh, what is the golden nugget of advice you'd offer to companies aiming to ride the wave of the latest customer service trends? What would it be? Personal connection. That's really the magic. It's never going to go away. It's been around for my 38 years in business, and it's what I liked when I was starting out before I had CGP. I was always in the customer service. I managed a restaurant. I was assistant manager for a restaurant. I did a lot of stuff in the restaurant business. I put mufflers on cars. I talked directly to the the customer coming in to get a new exhaust system put on. I, I was a tire jockey. I, I pumped gas. Could you believe this? I actually pumped gas. No one. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's gas stations that do that anymore. Hmm. But I pumped gas and I waited on customers and I was always just wanting to serve people. And so I created a business that I could do that 24 hours a day. And and I'm a fixer by nature, by heart, by core. And so fixing problems. But connections never go away. They they may come and go, but the next connection is going to be even more powerful because you're growing through each connection. So my advice, my little golden nugget is, no matter what happens in technology, um, accelerating of whatever you're doing in business, the key is is develop relationship, meet needs and wants, needs and wants, and a customer is never going to leave your side. Love it, man. Awesome. Another one in the the bucket. One and done. One and done. That's it. One and done. Great episode today. Lots of great information. Tons of uh, value bombs from you on customer service, man. I think it's such an important part of what's going on in the world now. And uh, so thank you for everything, buddy. I really appreciate it. Uh, For everyone who is listening on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. Hit that thing, man. Let's go. Yeah, man. As the kiddos, if you, yeah, exactly. As the kiddos are saying, smash that button on your your YouTube button. Uh, our YouTube channel and hit the little bell for notifications so you can see awesome videos and, and advice coming from Jim Robinson. Thank you yeah, guys thank so much. You. Thank you, Jim. Thank you much. Awesome. Great, great time to do shows. All right, man. We'll see you next time. Thank you. 